1: Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman, uh, gentlemen. It is right around one thirty on a Wednesday, and we are recording to preview the upcoming high school football week. So let's see, that means, um, as per usual, that means starting with our game of the week, our reader-voted game of the week. So um, first off, a big thank you to everybody who went to our website at starlocalmedia.com to vote on one of the five games that were up in this week's ballot. This was, um, it felt like three games kind of distanced from the pack as this one went along. There was a obviously a big game in Frisco, Frisco and Liberty, that everybody's looking forward to, Adam, um, with those respective schools. Prosper and Guyer, a matchup between two state-ranked programs, certainly one of the biggest games just overall in the state this week. But the reader-voted game of the week, though, actually is going to take place out in Capel at Buddy Eccles Field, Friday, 7 o'clock kickoff between the Capel Cowboys and Plano West.
2: Who (laughs) would have thought that... We would thought Capel would be you know, have a turnaround season, but Plano West who would have thought at the beginning of season three and one.
1: Yeah, this was a game that if you had um you know, if we were just you know, if we're working on our gridiron preview back in August and we outlined in the gridiron preview the five games to watch with each district. I'm not gonna lie, guys, Capel Plano West was not even remotely close to being on the radar, but it feels but sure enough it's here and it feels like a very worthy selection for game of the week. These are two teams that are three and one, one and zero oh in district. And yeah, like you said, David, two teams that are kind of in the midst of some, you know some bounce back campaigns. You know with um, you know with Capel and Plano West. I, I'd say at least with Capel, it was one that we talked about in the offseason. Is probably a lot of the uh, the youth that that program had last year. Just some of the bad luck with injuries. You know, you felt like there was at least a pathway to where this team would get back to contending for a playoff spot, like they have. You know, for so many years now. With Plano West, this has been one of the better turnaround stories just in the in the metroplex. It feels like. I mean, they're really not that far removed from a uh, a thirty four game losing streak. That encompassed multiple zero ten seasons, and then you know you remember last season, just all of the uh, the drama that encompassed that uh, that come from behind victory over Plano East, um, you know, and just them getting their first win under new head coach Tyler Sukup and then they've really built off that this season with again three wins already in, in just four games played so far, and they um I mean they're coming off what um you know it was definitely kind of the signature win under Sukup with that 27-17 victory last week against Louisville, so they've um you know they've looked. The part against at least through uh, through one week of district play, they looked the part against a team that made the playoffs the previous two years, and you know showing that um you know perhaps the uh, their improvements might be uh, there might be a little bit of a little bit more legitimacy to this than we otherwise might have thought. So uh, this um but they got a big test Friday because Capel is. A very very credential program, so we can start as far as kind of exploring how we uh, how we got to this point for these two teams. David, you obviously cover Capel, so um, just kind of talk me through what um just kind of how the Cowboys got to this point, who some of the key players are in this matchup, and um yeah, just kind of break down the other uh, Cowboys right now.
2: Well, Capel obviously is off to a three and one start, and um big part is is their offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they can score points in bunches. Um, obviously. We knew about Anthony Black last year. Oh, yeah. Eight touchdowns. You know he had a, almost 900 receiving yards. It's just a sophomore. Just a sophomore. Yeah, yep. and he got all district honors in his first first year playing uh, varsity football. And then Ryan Walker. You know he's a. He last year was his new. Uh, he had to be kind of thrown into the fire last year with mm-hmm. the injury to Kevin Schumann, and yeah. he played a lot of games last year, got some good experience. But obviously, you are seeing the experience pay off this year. All the lessons that he learned from all those. Uh, they had a lot of cla- lot of close losses last year, mm-hmm. so just the experience that he's gained from those those things right there, um, it's it's really helping that out. Um, obviously, um, not only there, but you got. Um, a really good running back in Jason DeGue right there, you know, who rushed for almost uh, 900 yards last year. And, you know, he's picking up where he left off this year. Um, And also another wide receiver who, before we were mentioning, before we got on the air here was Dylan Nelson. Mm -hmm. Um, He's, he's, he's turned into a great third option for him. He's uh, uh, really, you know, when you look at yards, yards per catch right there, he's, he's like the team leader. He's he averaging is. like what, almost 20 yards of catch right there.
1: Actually, he's averaging over that. I have him down oh, for wow. 23.8. So oh, wow. yeah one of the, one of the top big play receivers in the area right and now.
2: It, yeah. Yeah. So he can stretch the field and not only on offense, but on special teams. Like I remember the game against Sachse, He had a huge, uh, I think it was either punt return or kick return that gave him, you know, great field position, uh, led to a touchdown right there. Um, and then defensively, you know, they're, they're they've had a few changes that they've had undergo, mm-hmm. um, Walker Poker Walker Poke um, isn't there with the team this year. Uh, he's focusing a lot on baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, he committed to base to ba- playing baseball for Baylor earlier this year. So um, you know that's a big loss for him. He was a two-time All District selection. So now they're having to throw like other people at linebacker as well too. But you know this is a defense like you know when when they don't give up big plays you know they've had they've had a problem you know giving up some big plays but whenever they don't like you know
1: for the most part they're pretty good defense yeah it's it's an aggressive defense it's for aggressive sure because defense. and with that with that aggression you can sometimes open yourself up to those opportunities where you give up big plays because exactly. i mean you look they've already got seven interceptions already mm-hmm. in just what four games played seven forced fumbles already so it's certainly a defense that prides itself on creating chances for takeaways sure. um you know you mentioned the linebacking core guys like preston rogers tim and jack mcadams i mean it's a really really steady consistent group mm-hmm. Rodgers and O'Hearn averaging at least 10 tackles per game um you know with um and yeah we didn't even mention KJ Liggins who was <laughs> who's actually been their leading receiver up to this point and, and yeah I mean he was you know obviously he was off at Denton Guyer last season contending for a state championship but he transfers back to Capel where he played as a freshman mm-hmm. and you've already seen his impact felt with um you know with 502 receiving yards he was actually I believe I don't know if he still is after last week but he was the the area leader in receiving yardage you know he's um averaging just a shade under 20 yards per catch. And it really has, I mean, with the, with the arrival of Nelson, to complement those two, because, I mean, K.J. Liggins, Anthony Black, those are a couple Division One prospects. You add that extra element in the slot with Nelson, and it's created one of the more dynamic passing attacks mm-hmm. in, uh, in this district. Um, as far as um, kind of how Plano West got to this point, um, you know, it's a, it's a fairly new team, at least on offense. And, you know, but you look at, um, you know, kind of the consistency that they've had on defense and all that carryover from last season, and it's, I mean, they started off the year on such an emphatic note, you know, shutting out Wiley 28-0, to their first shutout in, I want to say, what was it, 2015, I forgot the stat, 2011, 2015. It's been a hot minute, though, since that program has, you know, begun on a on a hot note defensively, as they did against uh, against the Pirates, but then they followed it up by bottling up Northam Skeet, all right, they had a little bit of a slip up against uh, against Little Elm, you know, they got some, uh, you know, were hurt by some big plays through the year, but then to get back on track the way that they did against Louisville, a team that had scored at least you know 48 points in each of its first three games, holding them to just 17, completely short circuiting that uh, that passing attack of theirs. Um, it's it certainly does uh, you know kind of validate the, uh, the the continuity that that unit has and just some of the progress that they've made. I mean it's obviously led in the middle by Jacob Stevens, who's a who recently committed to Lamar. He had over 100 tackles as a junior. He's got 29 already as a as a senior, plus a team high four sacks. They got a lot of depth up front, too. You know, Cole Frederick, James Laprasito, Kate Hathaway, Josiah Shelley. I mean, there's a lot of guys that they kind of rotate in and out up front. And then, um, actually, their leading tackler is a sophomore on the back end, Vance Fauerbacher. who, I mean, he's a name that actually is used quite a bit just despite being a sophomore. He actually also functions as their backup quarterback. He had a huge touchdown run that iced the win last week against Louisville, and he punts for them as well. So, something to consider at the end of the year for our all-area utility player of the year. Um, But yeah, Fauerbacher. Or just a sophomore, he's got 30 tackles in the uh, in the secondary. They've also got a couple guys back there: Jabraden King, Woods, Tyler Hurrell, guys who are used on both sides of the ball, um, and it's part of a. Uh, kind of a, a, you know, a receiving core that doesn't have a, a, you know, a real home run threat or so, but a bunch of just capable pass catchers and guys that are capable of, you know, I guess, extending plays after the catch and whatnot. Um, You know, the passing game was something to really monitor early on for Plano West. Um, I believe it was, um, you know, at least those first two games against Wiley and North Mesquite, they attempted 17 passes total. So it's certainly a team that when things are going in their favor, they want to prioritize the run, you know, Tabern Yates in that run game, but then, you know, the games against Little Elm and then last week against Lewis you've seen them have to kind of flesh out that passing game a bit more which was expected because you know you can't you know you're going to have to work out of third and longs at some point so that's kind of for for a run first team that's kind of a nice little litmus test as far as what their passing game is capable of and you've seen at least in recent weeks that it's not just a complete death sentence for Plano West they are capable of making plays when they're backed up in the long long yarded situations. so um, just you know encouraging stuff for quarterback Greg Drawn who's in his first year as a starter he's got almost 500 yards passing four touchdowns Completing a little over fifty percent of his passes, um, you know, but obviously it, a lot of it does center around that run game, and that's you know ideally when things are working in their favor, that's what they prioritize. With Tabron Yates, who was really the bell cow those first couple, those first uh, those first few weeks, averaging over five yards a carry, he really came on strong late in the season last year. Um, you know, but he injured his quad in that first half against Louisville last week, which kind of makes the fact that they were able to still pull out that game even more impressive. The fact that they had just now di- you know dig into the into the depth chart, and it was um it was actually Actually, Dermot White, another sophomore who came through big for them last week as far as kind of controlling the clock in the second half. And then he had a big 21 uh, yard touchdown run that gave them the lead late in the fourth quarter. Um, so that's, again, that's kind of been their bread and butter. But head coach Tyler Sukup has been really, really encouraged, though, with the strides that passing game has made. Um, Devin, what is, um, just kind of talk about, obviously, I know, you know I cover Plano, he covers Capel, so you know, I know you're kind of out of here on an island for this, uh, for this matchup. But nevertheless, so what is, um, what is something about this matchup that kind of catches your eye?
3: You know, I, I want to see. I want Plano West to prove himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week was impressive. But you know, you look back at their resume this season. They beat Wiley in the op- in the opener twenty eight nothing. This was a Wiley team yeah, that did not have their quarterback. Bit of a
1: transition, right? Yeah, now did, that, um,
3: their, their quarterback was hurt, and this is a Wiley team that lost to South Garland last week. Mm-hmm. South Garland's first. District <laughs> so you're telling win. me
1: that that win hasn't necessarily aged the best. So
3: South <laughs> Garland's first district win since 2014. Um, and, and so, um, mm. go, Colonels, By the way, yeah, yeah. good job. Um, but you know, they, they beat a North Mesquite team that yeah. is not going to confuse anybody as far as being an explosive bunch. I mean, they're they're very methodical. Team, mm-hmm. and it was a very methodical game winning 28 14. But then I look at that Little Elm game, yeah, and, and, and you know, getting beat 23 to 9 by Little Elm. Um, so, I, I guess to, to me, this is Plano West because I've seen Capel, and I Capel's offense is impressive. It is so, so. This is so. This to me, this is Plano West challenge. Prove me that, that, that you're the team that beat Louisville that can they can control the, the, the game on the mm-hmm. ground, they can the defense can, they can rise to the occasion and hold a. a very, very good offense to 17 points proved to me that you're that team and not the team that was able to beat uh, you know, a, a mediocre Wiley team in the opener and, mm-hmm. and and lose to L- Little Elm three, two weeks later.
1: Because that's, that's actually kind of where you uh, where you first look and kind of breaking down the whole offense versus defense thing. So you just finished shutting down one high-profile yeah. spread offense. It's got a whole lot of D1 talent over in Louisville. Well, obviously, I mean, no two spread offenses are the same. So, I mean, mm-hmm. just what what does Capel have that Louisville didn't and vice versa? And just how does that look kind of heading into this matchup? You know, they Obviously, there's not a Damian Martinez in the backfield for Capel. With all due respect to Jason Ngwu, I mean, Damian Martinez is leading the area in rushing for a reason. And even in defeat last week, he still had 193 yards um, on the ground against uh, against Plano West. It was more so the adjustments that they made in the secondary. I mean, they got—I mean, if you go back and just look at the, uh, that opening drive for, uh, for Louisville, I mean, they just marched right down the field on him. You know, Martinez had a 30-yard carry on the first play from scrimmage. Um, they were able to complete a couple long balls. And then Isaiah Stevens catches one for, I believe, 33 yards out. And just like that, I mean, Louisville strikes first, seven nothing, and it felt like, you know, okay, this is just kind of where we're going to be for the uh, for the next couple hours, um, you know. But West did a really good job taking away that uh, that intermediate uh, that intermediate pass that Louisville had a lot of success with, and you really saw just a lot of indecision in the pocket for Taylen Green, even flushed out of the pocket on the run. It just nothing was you know was open at the time, or if there was, he just wasn't seeing it. But nevertheless, I mean, it was the first time really all season that a team had figured out how to kind of solve that Louisville passing offense. Green only had 142 yards through the air on, I think, 48% completions. So, you know, fair play to that West defense for adjusting after that, after a pretty shaky opening drive, you know, but whereas, you know, Capel might not have a Damian Martinez. I think again this is where I think the Dylan Nelson component comes into play and this is a bit of a more multifaceted passing attack mm-hmm. than what Plano West just saw last week against uh, against Lewisville and you know a lot of uh, a lot of Nelson's damage comes out of the slot and you look at some of the you know, some of the uh, the plays that he made against Plano and it was um you know he it was basically just a product of route running. You know it was just a, he did a really good job, you know, selling a uh, selling a post and then making a quick cut to the outside on a corner. They just got him wide open near the sideline and he's you know, obviously, you mentioned that he's on special teams as well, so he's a speedy receiver, and that um, and that paid off in um, you know, in a big way, and that's why he's averaging you know almost twenty four yards per catch. So with that added dynamic, I mean, you know what Liggins can do. Anthony Black, I mean, I was I remember just watching that kid in seven on seven when he was still just a freshman, and I mean his his size and his length are so unique for that position, and I mean he's a basketball player, one of the top basketball recruits in the in the area as well, and I mean yeah, you see that it's just such a difficult matchup. You know, as strong as. A, as West secondary, um, you know, was able to play last week. There's just there's a little bit more that you have to solve now with this Capel team, so I, I don't really think it's, you know, it really is comparable to look at what they did last week and think it's just necessarily going to carry over uh, Friday against Capel. Um, let's see. For um, you know, but with Capel, you know, you talked about this a little bit on Monday, David. But consistency, and this is where kind of the uh, this is as far as just kind of storylines from the Capel vantage point. I mean, they were everything was going, everything was super positive against against uh, you know Plano last week. They were up thirty five to thirteen and really in firm control after twenty one points in the third quarter, and then over the last six minutes. I mean, it nearly just, I mean, it nearly went to hell. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Over those last six minutes, I mean, they allowed 20 unanswered points, and it was only really because of some special teams gaps on Plano's part that this game didn't end up going into overtime. So what do you make of this if your head coach, Mike DeWitt, kind of going back to the drawing board and figuring out, okay, guys, well, how can we not let that happen again?
2: It's it's not so much. Like, you're going to go back to the drawing board, but it's just mental for them right Mm -hmm. now, I think it is. I mean, it's not the fact that you have the big lead, but it's a fact that like the focus there isn't sometimes mm-hmm. like, you know, when especially when you have like, you know, like a couple, you know, blunders on special teams, you know, catching the ball. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's something like one or two times, like, you know, like every few games that's that happens. But to have that like twice in a game when you're up that much like there, like you should have that focus, you know to be able to finish out a game right there. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think, you know, I think, I think they'll be fine. Um, I, th- I think that this is a team that, you know, it's still learning how to win right here after a four and six season right here. They put a lot, like I said, they played a lot of close games right there. They're, mm-hmm. they're learning how to win. So I feel like, you know, especially with like how many upperclassmen you got on that team, I think they'll be okay.
1: Because there was, there was one I remember, the uh, you know, the stat heading into district play that if you look at Capel's first three games of the season when they played Saxey, when they played Mesquite and Highland Park, That was all three of those teams were playing their first game of the season against Capel, And I think there is a little bit of something to that just because, I mean, it's, you know, especially given the current climate right now and just how much, you know, continuity and experience matter in a year like this, you know, to be going out there for your very first time, getting your product on the field for the first time. It's just a little bit different when you're getting to trial that stuff out for the very first time versus a team that's already got three games under their belt. So, you know, I was curious to see how that would kind of translate over to district when everybody's kind of on a more even playing field um but yeah it seems like i mean you look at the way that that plano comeback you know materialized it really was just special teams gaffes you know they mm-hmm. they lose a fumble on one punt return they completely muff the punt on the ensuing possession and um yeah and then they go three and out and yeah plano responded with a touchdown each time so it's again it doesn't seem like it's it's easily correctable stuff yeah. you know I, you trust the caliber of their special teams returners that it's not something that's going to creep up once again but just still something worth noting and obviously i mean in hindsight obviously if your coach if your head coach mike dewit Capel, you at least now have that message to stress to your kids on just the importance of closing games out and just mm-hmm. knowing what can happen because you know they still have to play. You know they still got to play Marcus, they still got to play Louisville, Hebron, some of the I mean teams that made the playoffs last year in games that are ultimately going to weigh a bit more heavily on whether or not you're going to go to the postseason. You know instead of playing you know one of the Plano schools right now. So um, so yeah, there is that at least to kind of draw upon just the importance of you know you have to continue executing through all four quarters because it almost got away from you in a game that you. Kind had in you know pretty firm control last week. Um, let's see the last uh, the last note before we get to our predictions from the uh, Plano West standpoint, is um, the status of Tabern Yates. Because if Plano West is going to have a you know a chance in this one, um, it's going to have to require, I think, kind of replicating the strategy that they uh, employed last week against uh, Louisville, and that's basically winning time of possession. And that's something that they made no bones about from the start of that game against Louisville. They were intent on controlling the clock at every chance they could. Um, and obviously, in order to do that, you need your running game clicking on all cylinders. Well, um, you know, with, um, again, as impressive as it was last week that they were still able to tough that. Game out, despite Yates missing the second half with a quad injury. Um, you know, it's just going to be encouraging to see if he if he is out there on Friday. To what extent he's able to run the way he normally does? He's a very physical runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if he's not out there, I mean, just what um, what they're able to do with their run game, Again, as strong as Dermot White was able to play. You know, kind of coming out of nowhere against Louisville when you've had a uh, you know an entire week, it can it'll be a little bit of a different ball game. Plus, Capel's run defense is a little bit stingier than uh, than Louisville's was. I mean, you look last week against Plano. Even as close as that game wound up being, they still held Plano's run, running back, one of the most explosive running backs in the area, and Tylan Hines, just 55 yards on 23 carries. So, mm-hmm. you know, Capel's got a little bit more to offer uh, defensively than the Farmers did. Mm-hmm. Where are we leaning on this game, though? As far as a prediction goes, uh, Devin, where did you end up coming, uh, coming out on this one?
3: Capel. <laughs> no, no. no it's, I, I do think I, I do think that the, the game last week in Louisville was impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the one thing that, that Plano West has done all season long is they kept the games have been close, whether they they won or lost. Um, I mean, they, even the, you know the Little Elm game was close for a majority of the contest. Um, I, I am somewhat worried about that uh, fourth quarter uh, from Capel last mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think they have too much firepower. I think it may be a similar story uh, in terms of Coppell jumping to a lead, kind of jumping up Plano West early. Uh, Plano West kind of writes the ship, gets that defense going, maybe, like you say, get that ground game going if it's fully healthy um, and able, is able to make a comeback. But, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it was 27-17 uh, last week was the the, the uh, score against Louisville. That's kind of in line with what all Plano West scores oh, yeah. have been. They're yet to um, score more than 28 and, and,
1: points this season. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I, I think it's kind of you're looking at a similar type game. I just think Coppell's a little bit too much firepower.
2: How
1: about you,
3: David.
2: I am going Capel, but for, like, a slightly different reason right here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to look at the – like, you talked about the way Capel's been able to generate turnovers on defense Mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. And especially the way after they held – the plan was running back, Tyler Hines, to – what you, 50? How many? 55 yards. 55 yards. yards. On just
1: 23 carries. So not even two and a half yards a carry.
2: And just uh, based on the way that Capel's been able to stop the run this year – and get them into some – they'll probably might get them into some third and long situations right mm-hmm. there. And that might be a time where Capel, like, unleashes, you know, it's pass rush right there and might be able to force a fumble or two or maybe get an interception right there. So mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe, like, that difference right there, to be able to get a couple of turnovers right there, I think Capel will probably win by
1: at least a touchdown. It's I, – I spent a little bit of time on this one just because, like, it's – Plano West is a fun story. You know, it's just, it's fun to see a team. It's kind of like it was last year with, with John Paul II, a program that just hadn't had a whole lot to hang its hat on in recent years. And then they just catch fire and go to the state championship game. And, you know, it's just nice to get kind of caught up in those real, like, really just extreme bounce back uh, narratives. Um, so again, it's in Plano West, you look back, you know, since that, including, I guess I should say that, uh, that win last year against Plano East, they're actually four and two over their last six games. So again, it's, it, they're no doubt playing a much more inspired brand of football than they had been, you know, since, you know, what, 2014, 2015, so it's, again, I don't think this, you know, this game is going to be just a, a, an absolute runaway by any stretch, but at the end of the day, I do think Capel is a little bit more, uh, not, not, is, is a bit more well-rounded, you know, whereas, you know, with Louisville, I mean, you, you were just wondering, I can, you know, can Plano West, you know, find a way just to keep up, because you expected Louisville to just come out there and just pour on points at almost at will, like they had the first three weeks. With Capel, though, I mean, I think they have the capabilities of, you know, of letting up the scoreboard the same way that Louisville can, just in different ways, you know, a bit more with their with their passing game. But I also think that Capel's a bit more fortified on defense than Lewisville was. So I think they check a few more boxes. And whereas I think that West can make Capel work a bit more, um, just the Cowboys a little bit too well-rounded. Plus, you're at home. Buddy Ecclesfield is notoriously a bit of a tricky place to play. Mm-hmm. That's, I believe, the last the, the site of Allen's last regular season loss back in 2012. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I uh, ultimately, I, uh, I got to give the Cowboys the nod in this one do not come easy. I wanted to pick Plano West. It's just a fun story. You just want
2: to crease our lead over there in the picket line. Nah, first, I gotta
1: you? I gotta go with uh, with my brain. So um, so yes, we are we are in uh, a a consensus. So we all three feel the Capel Cowboys get the win Friday over the Plano West Wolves, and that is um, let's look at our game of the week. Hopefully, it lives up to the billing. You know, it's kind of been a little a uh, little hit miss as far as whether these games of the week turn out to be a uh, really really competitive down to the wire games or just complete blowouts in favor of one team. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Once Again, this one is Friday, seven o'clock out at Buddy Eccles Field in Capel, a, a matchup in District Six a Planet West versus Capel. So let's, um, all right. So let's talk a bit about a few of the other games that were up for consideration for Game of the Week. Um, we got a couple. Of, we got some Frisco ISD love on this. Uh, this is half of the podcast. Let's start with a, a game that takes place Thursday over in District 5-5A, Division 1. This one is out at the Star in Frisco. A, um, a matchup between two of the, uh, yeah, a uh, state-ranked juggernaut and a team that's, you know, certainly turning a few heads with some of their uh, their decisions early in the season. Um, Frisco Lone Star. Mighty Frisco Lone Star. The bell cow of Frisco ISD football. They uh, square off against Frisco Reedy. Uh, you're actually going to be at this game, aren't you, David? That's correct. Okay. So um, I will uh, leave this to you, then, man. Talk a bit about what uh, what intrigues you about this game, and ultimately where you are uh, leaning as far as your pick goes.
2: The thing that just intrigues me about this game is just the play of both quarterbacks. Yes, I mean, obviously, we know you know what Garrett Rangel is capable of last, you know. Like he came in last year as a sophomore, just completely, you know, just blew up all those passing numbers yeah. right there. Wasn't
1: supposed to start last season. Yeah. And it was an injury to Chandler Galbon, and he uh, decided to just go ahead and just lead Lone Star to the, you know, state semifinals.
2: <laughs> yeah. And what did he throw for over? How many yards did he throw for right? I don't have
1: the number in front of me, but it was, I think it was over 4,000. Yeah, 4,000. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, to come in there and handle that pressure as a sophomore, that's pretty impressive right there, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, you're, you, You're not projected to start the year. And obviously, you know, like this year, like it hasn't kind of gone off to the start that the way they have to – they wanted to uh, They're one and two right now but the first two games like they lost to i think it was North Forney it was North
1: Forney and that one was a bit of a surprise they at yeah. least you know they you know accommodated themselves pretty well in that loss to Alito though so. yeah
2: that's that, that's got to give that game a lot of confidence cuz Alito's not an easy place to win at all yeah, whatsoever
1: they, they did mu- they did much more like you'd expect in that game yeah so i think you know they
2: lost that game but then they came back and just i think they played Frisco Heritage the next week and they just that that game was just over pretty quickly so yeah. um, like Obviously, you know, one, even though they're one and two, and they, I don't think they've played a game in like what 17 days or something like that.
1: It's been a bit of a, yeah, they've had a bit of a COVID break.
2: Yeah, they had a little bit of a COVID break. So when they, by the time they come onto the field Thursday, it's going to be, according to my math, last time they played was October 8th. It's going to be uh, Thursday is going to be October 29th. So it's going to be over 20, 20 it's going to be 21 days. There you go, three weeks. So obviously, when you, when you, don't play for three weeks. You kind of worry about a little bit about the rust right there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the same thing that kind of happened. To prosper for a little bit on Saturday, they didn't play for twenty-three days against Little Elm. Um, they, they, they had like a lot of penalties in that game. They had three fumbles lost in that game as well too. So um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how Little Lone Star handles that rust right there. Um, obviously, Reeder, Reedy, they've been a tremendous story this year, just coming back to the Division One level right here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, AJ Paget, their quarterback, he's he's been phenomenal just being their starting. Quarterback, uh, the game that I covered um, against Heritage, uh, like he exited uh, during the third quarter because the game got out of hand pretty fast. Mm -hmm. I think he was seven for eight, and he had over two hundred passing yards. Wow! So, I mean, this is you know, this is going to be a pretty good battle between their quarterbacks. Um, Obviously, AJ uh, uh, Jalen Fuchs is going to be he's a tremendous target for him. Um, He's going to he's going to get he's their number one target in the passing game, Um, and Obviously, when you think about BD's success as well, too, you've got to think about the defensive line as well, too. They're playing very good defensively. They played Brooke, great Brooke, last week against Brooke, Independence. Very good. Independence team that made it three rounds deep in the playoffs last year. Mm. Uh, Brooks Griffith like he's just been standing out like how many I think he, he's had like what?
1: four sacks, three forced fumbles last week against yeah. Independence just some game changing defense from him.
2: So, uh this is a this is a game that's going to be really really close. I think, you know, this for wow. Reedy, this is a game that they want to prove it. They want to prove that they can hang with Lone Star right mm-hmm. there like which is the best program in and first Frisco ISD right now. Like, if they can win, they, they feel like it
1: would be a statement. For
2: them. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. I'm just, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to
1: be even. Some folks at Frisco High that uh, <laughs> exactly. they might take on bridge with that statement. Well, but... we got
2: that game coming up here in a little bit, <laughs> yeah. so we're going to give them some love as well too. Yeah. Um, but I, I eventually, I feel like this is a game that once Lone Star kind of eliminates the roster out there, mm. I feel like you know they're they're going to kind of click a little bit. So I feel like Lone Star is probably going to win by. It, it's going to be a close game, but I would say maybe 7 to 10 points. Wow.
1: Okay, so you think the the, the Reedy Lions uh, have a pretty pretty spirited showing, even in defeat. Um, yeah. yeah, me and Devin are on the same page as you, though. We, uh, we both think the Lone Star Rangers get it done and, um, and yes, yeah, stay in the hunt for the 5 5 Division I championship. Um, let's see. We can, yeah, we just mentioned we can talk about the other Frisco ISD game. Yeah. This one is going to be Friday, 7 o'clock, out at, let's see, Toyota, Toyota Stadium. Stadium. Indeed. This is um a... One of the more anticipated matchups that you can make right now in 5 a Division Two is you have state-ranked Frisco, also has a fair claim to being the best team in the city. Who knows? It's a shame we can't get them to play. You know, <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, um, they welcome a uh, one of the hottest offenses in the metroplex, Frisco Liberty. They're uh, just. Uh, Blown and going, man. I mean, just some electric numbers from Keldrick Luster, who's been kind of the breakout star of the entire area right now, with just some of the video game Kyler Murray-esque numbers that he's putting up. Um, Devin, just um, yeah, just some thoughts on this matchup, kind of where you're leading as we get uh, the explosive offense against one of the best defenses in the state.
3: Well, if if we would have like just kind of guessed three. 4 weeks ago about potential game of the week candidates for this week would Frisco and Liberty have even been on our radar
1: about as much as Plano West and Capel would have <laughs>
3: yeah exactly i mean and that's i mean you, you look at liberty and it just you you basically Luster. i mean basically 1900 yards of total offense in, in 5 games um, you know he's doing it through the air last week through for 345 yards you know he's averaging basically 100 yards a game on the ground I, it's just you know, and, and you, you throw in the fact that they have you know Jonathan Bone um, on, on the ground, Will Ashford, Evan Stewart on the outside, oh, yeah? uh, you know, just Connor Holstein. There, there's so many weapons, and you just add a, a sophomore. You know, so he's still growing, he's still getting better every week. It's scary. I thought about taking liberty. <laughs> I thought, man, hey. they could score, they could score, and I thought, wait a minute, look at what Frisco's done with that defense to everybody that they played. Uh, I mean, it, it's. They, they were just dominant last week against lebanon trail mm-hmm. uh you know winning forty five to 15 against a Lebanon trail team that was undefeated coming in I just think that um their ground game uh basically averaging ten yards per carry a week go uh you know Bradford Martin but they got so many different guys that that can do it they control the clock they control the tempo and if they need a big play, they still out to chase Lyrie and he takes care of business mm-hmm. on the outside and and whatnot um But I I just think that that defense and that ground game, they're going to be able to to control the pace, keep Keldrick Luster and that Liberty offense off the field long enough. And, you know, when teams like that are not getting on the field as much as they want, they tend to press, I think – Frisco has the defense that can make them pay for those mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a game that even though I'm impressed with Liberty, even though I think Liberty makes the playoffs this year, yeah. um, I-, I think Frisco is is, is going to win this game by a couple touchdowns. Relatively low, like a 31-17 type game.
1: Uh, yeah, that's once again a game that we were all in concert on. David, you and I also think Frisco gets it done, so uh, once yeah. again, a, a lot of uh, unanimity on the podcast so far, as yes, we favor Frisco to get it done against Liberty, despite, who knows, maybe Liberty has the best player on the field on this one, and that's always a wild and tangible that yeah. can you know, definitely sway a game where the odds might feel a little bit uh, you know further apart than they should be. Um, let's see, let's talk about um, a game that we alluded to earlier on, a matchup between state-ranked teams. This one is going to be out at Children's Health Stadium at Prosper ISD. That's still a mouthful to say. Uh, Friday, seven o'clock. A meeting between Prosper and Denton-Guyer. Uh, certainly the uh, the headline attraction on the marquee in District Five Six A right now. Um, you know this is a uh, Prosper coming off a uh, you know you mentioned David obviously having to go twenty three uh, days in between games due to uh, COVID nineteen reasons. And they, they get that game against a little almost maybe a little bit closer than I otherwise would have would have mm. guessed. But again, you got to factor in the potential for uh, some rust after being off for over three weeks. Yep. Um, well, it's good for them to get that out of the system because you're going to have to be clicking on all cylinders mm-hmm. if you're going to uh, to match wits with uh, with Denton Geyer. Um, you know, Geyer is, I mean, they took care of business in there. Uh, there was some ridiculous shootout potential in this game against McKinney that they started off in district play with. This was a 21-21 ball game after uh, one quarter, and then Geyer's defense kind of settled down a bit. Deuce Harmon, Texas A&M commit their stud cornerback, made, um, made a couple big plays, and then Eli Stowers, Byron Phillips on that offense Really, uh, kind of took control from there. It was a 55 to 35 victory for the Wildcats um, as they uh, continue to look like one of the elite teams in the uh, in the metroplex. This is um this is kind of I think back to when we were um you know before it got nixed by uh, by the pandemic. But um, Prosper's game against DeSoto, I was really really looking forward to that just to get a chance to see how Prosper looked against a legitimate like top ten caliber team in the state mm-hmm. with a really really dynamic offense. The tune of of kind of what they're going to see on Friday against Guyer. You know, it looked obviously it was really really impressive. Of what they did against Ulyss Trinity, being able to mount that fourth quarter comeback on the road against a team that is kind of built to grind out close games. Um, you know, but obviously Geyer has a little bit more dynamicism to their offense than um than, um you know than what Trinity has. And the scary thing about Geyer is they're not even they haven't really scratched the surface yet of how good they can be because you gotta remember they have a new head coach in Rodney Webb and Devin, you obviously know from Webb's experience in Mesquite ISD. It takes a little bit of time to pick up that system. So the fact that um, again, there's still a lot of room for growth there, and you know, so I'm curious if that you know, again, because this is, I think, up to this point. I mean, it's not the biggest test for for because they already have a game against Dan Ryan under their belt, but it's it's certainly the the tallest order on the schedule for Prosper up until uh, you know that Allen game, you know, later on in the season, but. It's um, it's a chance for Prosper to really kind of make that uh, make that statement and show that they, you know, we just kind of just went off of just pedigree and resume, and that it's just Allen and Geyer in the in the uh, pursuit for the uh, of the district championship in five six A. But you know, this is a chance for Prosper to make a bit of a statement and show that they belong in that conversation as well. I don't think it happens though. I just mm-hmm. think there's just one too many weapons with the um, with that Geyer team. And I mean, again, I Rodney Webb is just he's got my respect for forever for what they've done against Allen these last couple of years. So with them, with the talent that they have at Guyer and just the way that they've uh the way that they really kinda of found their rhythm um, you know, later on in that game against McKinney. I um yeah, I, I, I like the L Wildcast to get it done in this one.
2: I actually saw – this is kind of like a rematch in a ways, to be honest with you, because Rodney Webb, who's the coach over there at Denton Geyer, Mm -hmm. he was at Rockwell last year, and Rockwell and Prosper played in the playoffs last year. Yep. So, And that was a game that Prosper was up 14-0 in that game right there, and then Rockwell just turned it on, and like with their offense with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's at Ohio State now, they just turned it on, and I I feel like, you know – Maybe that's he's kind of got a little bit of scouting report, you know, on Prosper just based on that little thing right there. Mm-hmm. So um, that, and obviously with you know Prosper coming off that long break between games right there, 20, 23 days, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I feel like you know Guy gets the job done on Friday. Yep, once again.
1: A uh, consensus. Let's see. How many games did we even pick differently on this on this freaking picket line this week? Two.
2: <laughs> Which one were
1: those? Uh, I'll get to them later on. But um, yeah. Nevertheless, though, we are um once again in a uh, on the same page. We like Denton guy to get it done over Prosper in a battle between five six a heavyweights. All right. Let's close this. Uh, let's close this episode down with a look at a matchup um over in District Six Five A Division Two. A matchup that at the start of the season we knew that it was probably going to come down to these two teams <laughs> as far as the district title, just given. The the way that the district is structured. Um, this one, though, it's uh, it's here. We got Friday, seven thirty, out at Kincaid Stadium in Dallas. Uh, Mesquite Potete makes the trip to visit South Oak Cliff. Haven't mentioned a ton of uh, Potete on the podcast this season. This is a, a pretty big opportunity for the Pirates to make a bit of a statement against a perennial playoff team in the Golden Bears. Uh, Devin, talk a bit about this matchup and just kind of where you're landing.
3: Well, yeah, there hasn't been much to talk about because that's kind of the product of the district they're in. I mean, it's it's a weak district. Uh, this is a, a de facto district championship game on Friday. I mean, Kimball could have something to say about it. Kimball's been impressive. They're off to a 3-0 start. But, uh, you know, you have 3-0 Poteet against 2-0 and South Oak Cliff. Uh, kind of interesting just – Boteet's played six games, and South of Cliff has played three. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, slight edge there for Boteet. Yeah, absolutely. South, and South of Cliff, it's so hard to get a gauge on them because <laughs> they, they go in the opener. It's been such an extreme they, season. They, they take on 6 eight powered Duncanville and lose 40 of 3 And I think that's one of those games, season opener, where South of Cliff kind of, we're not going to show our cards. We're just going to, you know, we're not going to win this game. Let's just not get anybody hurt. But then, you know, they follow that with games against Spruce and Hillcrest. Yeah. They win those two games by a combined score of 119 to three. Um, so it's really kind of tough to tell where South Oak Cliff falls. Um, by that same token, Pope Teaches happens to have played Spruce and Hillcrest the last two weeks themselves. Uh, they've outscored them, um, 107 to 23. Mm-hmm. So it's just been two blowouts. Uh, I mean, and, and that's what you're going to see a lot of in this district, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, You know, Poteet has a. Their their offense is solid. You know, Jalen Police is a a second year starter. You know, he throws for a high completion rate, throwing for over over 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns, only three interceptions, so doesn't really, you know, hurt himself with mistakes. Uh, He's effective on the ground. Um, Him and Xavier Jeans, um, you know, are both, you know, kind of of head that rushing attack. Marcel Jackson, a guy that when I've seen Poteet, uh, really kind of an explosive guy on the outside that, that kind of broke onto the scene this year. You know, he's got twenty four catches for four hundred and fifteen yards, seven touchdowns. Uh they got several other guys that have had multiple uh they have double digit receptions. So I mean Poteet has a capable offense. It's just how they're gonna stack that South Oak Cliff defense has been good for so many years. Yeah. Uh you know, it's it's hard to again, it's hard to use their first three games as any kind of a gauge because of the level of competition they've faced. Uh but they've just got so many athletes. I think they I was looking up on I believe it was rivals, and they've like six def- defensive guys that are on college radars you know, uh, right now. And uh, their offense isn't overly flashy, but they do enough. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, mostly on the ground. Cameron Davis is an excellent running back. Big-time running back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I give him Titus is another one that's actually come on and is averaging better than 10 yards per carry. Uh, You know, Kevin Jennings, their quarterback, actually started at West Pasquets a couple of years ago um, and actually played – early on as underclassmen. So he has some talent. They haven't asked him to do a lot, but he's been he's been efficient. Uh their backup Jordan Mays is six to six for hundred and forty yards. I don't know what that tells you. I mean as it gets in garbage time, but you know if you're six to six for one hundred and forty yards, that's pretty nice. Yeah. No for, doubt. for a back quarterback. Um I do think this comes down to South South Oak defense against Poteet's offense. Um and I mean just going by Recent results, not this year, but in the past couple of years, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But I, I did pick South Oak Cliff to win this game uh, in, in kind of a twenty-one seventeen type, but not not your not the shootout we're seeing in some of other, you know, game of the week uh, candidates.
1: This was one I was in, uh, in line with you too, and I picked South Oak Cliff. This was actually one of the only games where we actually were different, though, David. You rolled with Potite. Um, any any comment as to why, or just? Um. I need to catch up to you in the standings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've been playing a little bit of catch up in the picket line. So, yeah, got to make up ground somewhere. So that is a uh, an opportunity to do just that. So, um, all right, let's quickly round out with a look at some of, the, I guess, the other five games that are on the picket line this week that um, that we uh, wait in on. Um, you got a matchup over in uh, over in District 66A between a couple of Louisville ISD teams, Hebron versus Flower Mound. We are all on the same page. We think Hebron gets it done and defeats the Jaguars to improve to 2-0 in district play. You've got a rematch for the Taps Division I state. Championship. John Paul II plays Parrish Episcopal. Another uh, consensus pick. We all like Parish, the reigning state champion, to uh, make it uh, I believe three in a row, um, dating back to last season over the uh, over the Cardinals. Um, we had a little bit of dissension in this next game. Another 5-6-8 game. Little Elm and Denton Braswell. Uh, David, you and I like Braswell to bounce back from their uh, their rough showing last week against McKinney Boyd. Uh, Devin, you're riding Little Elm to get its first district win. Um, you have a, a matchup between Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD programs. Uh, Newman Smith against R.L. Turner. Um, we all like Newman Smith to get the job done there against Turner. Despite Turner coming off a 13-12 to 12 win last week, their first uh, official win under new head coach over, Michael over Farta. <laughs> I don't know. Who was it? Was it Samuel or uh, Sunset? Uh, or? Uh, yeah,
3: it's, I'm not sure. But, but hey, you know, that's... Got somewhere. Tell, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, and then uh, our last one, a game that was right on the radar for a uh, for a potential uh, game of the week nominee. And, um, we talked about them a lot last week. Uh, Saxie and Roulette, the rivalry <laughs> between Garland and ISD Powers. Uh, we like Saxie though, coming off that emphatic performance against Garland to get it done against their rival Roulette. Will this game be as wild as it has been though in recent years, Devin?
3: It, you know, it's, it's hard. There've been a couple blowouts along yeah. the way too. I mean, obviously, the two of the last three have been classics. Uh, it's you know, Saxie's going to score. But, you know, Riley, this is just their second game of the season. That's yeah, it's,
1: uh, it's know, probably it's, not going to bode too it's, well. So <laughs> it's,
3: it's crazy to think about. You know, we're heading into – we're almost to November, and Riley will be have played two football games this season. Uh, but, you know, if anything, they're going to break out of the stops. They always do in this game. It should be fun out there on Thursday night.
1: So, yes, that is a look at um, at least some of the games, some of the, uh, some of the more marquee games that are in, uh, in line for our coverage here. As far as games that we are actually going to be out covering this week, David, what does your coverage schedule look like?
2: Thursday I'm going to be out at the Star – uh, Ford Center at the Star between Frisco Reedy and Frisco Lone Star. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, I mean on Friday, I got Game of the Week. There you go. Point out west at Capel.
1: For me, I'm going to be on Thursday. I'm going to be out at standard stadium for a matchup between, I guess, four four or five, a division two. I'm going to see Creekview take on Fort Worth Southwest. Not really sure what to expect out of, uh, out of this one. Creekview, they're looking to bounce back from a rough showing against Grapevine last week. They lost 74 to zero. Um, And then Friday, I, uh, I think I've been kind of going back and forth on whether to do, uh, you know, McKinney Boyd at Allen or Plano at Marcus. And I'm probably going to lean towards the latter. Allen's got a couple bigger games coming up later on. Um, You know, Later on this month, so um, so yeah, that'll, um, I'll probably be uh, watching Plano and Marcus as uh, Plano tries to bounce back from that uh, that weird game against Capel against the reigning district champions, who um, scored a very very impressive victory of their own, blowing out Flower Mountain in the mound showdown. Devin, what does your coverage week look like?
3: Uh, the aforementioned Rowlett Saxey uh, game on Thursday night, and uh, I kind of bounced around a bit on on Friday as well, but uh, you know, zero four versus four and one doesn't sound like much. But Mesquite 0-4, Rockwall 4-1, mm-hmm. could end up being a big district game. I mean, Rockwall is a heavy favorite in this game just based on the body of work they've been able to put together. But, you know, Mesquite's one of those teams you just think, you know, is on the verge of turning turning the corner. So I think this game has the potential to be a lot closer than people think. And um You know, we'll see what happens.
1: Awesome. And that is a look at uh, at least what is on our docket for week six of high school football season. And that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Monday to break down all of the uh, the fascinating happenings from later on this week. So until then, folks, you take care, and we will talk to you all later.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area.